he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. When we left you last, we were talking to Tracy Fuller and Megan Mildenberger from the organization House of Mercy, Mercy One Hospital. And uh, now let's get back to that conversation with Tracy and with Megan. So we left off with uh, Tracy telling us that those early days of the game show gala planning or gala, whichever you like, the planning was not as as easy uh, or streamlined as it is today. T- tell us about that. And uh, you've been a part of it for 11 years. Yes. So uh, tell us a little bit about the progress to, to where it has ended today, albeit a different place than you expected. Right. Yeah. So um, the the staff at Mercy came at the House of Mercy came to us and said they were either considering not doing an event or they wanted to change it up because I think it had been the everyday um, event was a fundraiser. They had auction items and it went on with one auction item after another. They told a little bit of their story and but it had gotten stale and they were noticing a decline in attendees. So we, they, they said they kind of wanted to do a game show, but they didn't know how they were going to do it. So um, we did some investigating and we created our own game show, which um, that was very interesting because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, We (laughs) did it in PowerPoint. It just didn't work the same. And I think we did that for about three years. Our MC was, um, um, had been to a golf tournament on most of those occasions and came in a little tipsy. Um, <laughs> was he a professional and, MC? No, he was, okay. uh, yeah. And, um, no. and so that always made it interesting. And then um, our, our, um, our contestants were, have always been extremely interesting. So um, <laughs> I think Megan and I could tell you stories for hours on those, but, <laughs> but um, so after a couple of years, we found a professional gaming company that could help us make it a little bit more professional. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably year two or three, and it's just gotten better and better since then. In fact, I think we had to move locations because we needed we needed more space. Mm-hmm. So we moved from um, one location to another so that we could accommodate more table sales, which is great. Um, our crowd kept getting younger and more rambunctious and more giving, actually. They kept contributing more and more money. And then we, ha- we found Steve and he has been, Steve Berry has been an awesome MC. He comes as a lounge lizard and he always <laughs> dresses in the most 
um, brightly colored clothing and he does such a good job on stage and he knows most of the people that he's working with up there as contestants and he can really pull some interesting things out of them so did that was that a game changer changing from an eternal to a, a professional MC? it was it was a game changer and one other thing that we did was we used to do the hatfields and mccoys um <laughs> so we would have the hatfields and mccoys and we would have two other so we always we've always had four teams but um after a couple of years megan was this your idea to change it over to the schools no that was before i started actually because it was okay. schools when i began so i think they did that for two years and then switched it to schools yeah so then we went Iowa State versus Iowa and um, Drake versus you and I, and we got the schools up there, which really elevated the attendees' uh, performances and giving, and I mean, mm-hmm. it just really elevated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple years ago, I mean, that that was good for a long time, for mm-hmm. you know, nine, eight, seven, six years, six or seven years, mm-hmm. and then um, we. Megan started really looking at the stories and how we could get the message out and, and, and really talk about the purpose. And so then, um, then she came up with the idea of having the teams named after one of the uh, people that she, that they were helping at house of mercy, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. great way to do it. And, um, and it really, it really pulls at your heartstrings a little bit mm-hmm. more than just cheering for your, for your uh, college, you know, but, but, it, but it's working great. Yeah, it sure does um, bring the need right to the forefront of mm-hmm. the show. Uh, what happens is that the team, as Tracy just um, said, the teams are all named for a client of House of Mercy. And when the teams are introduced to the audience, they're introduced by way of a video that um, showcases the client. Um, so it really is about the client, the client's story, and that becomes so integral to the giving because the team is working towards something that's more tangible, right? It's not just house of mercy. It's this mm-hmm. Chad or it's Lisa or Beth, yeah. you know, uh, and that, that does sort of bring you home, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. And it really, really helps beautiful. us tell our story throughout the event as where you know, we really tried when we were thinking of ways that we could kind of revamp it after, you know, people here and I, we don't, we don't have a whole lot of things to rally behind, but college teams, we can sure rally behind them. <laughs> so people really and food on sticks. Them. Don't forget and about food on food. sticks. Yes, <laughs> food the, yeah. No food on sticks at the fair. So um, we were really trying to find ways that, you know, we like having an event where the program is a short piece of it and then you can just have fun. So we didn't want to have this whole long program that's drawn out and people get kind of bored of a talking head, but how else can we continue to share the story of House of Mercy and what, why we're here and what we're doing? And kind of in an in-between year, I think we played some more story videos in between the rounds. And then our team really got together and we're like, okay, how can we really bring this cause back to the forefront of the entire event while still having so much fun. And so the idea was brought up of, you know, really having a story behind one individual and kind of um, also a cause. So, you know, Team Lisa might be about alcoholism or 
you know, team, Alex, is about children's mental health and really fo- focusing on and shining a light on the areas in which House of Mercy, you know, cares for their clients and what they kind of help them do, um, as well as people locally who know of it, know of it, know it's an, er- an organization that helps men and women who suffer from substance abuse, but there are other facets to it, you know, with the mental health and all of the other kind of codependencies that go along with substance abuse so often and how we can work those in so people understand the full picture of what it is that we do at House of Mercy. So um, we still, again, just how can we have the most fun with a short program at the beginning, but still share the story of what these clients go through and the successes that they have after you know being at House of Mercy for seven, 10, 12 months, two years, whatever, however long they need. It's it's incredible the way that it all comes together. And not so much a, a question as it is a comment, and that is that you should teach how to do events for nonprofits because um, you're you're say, stating everything that I I try to teach, and that is the engagement and the fun is more important than all of the programming that the organization does. When you sell a ticket to somebody and you ask them to encourage other people to attend, then you have to give them a good time. Mm-hmm. And it's just that that idea seems lost on so many nonprofits. And I don't think it's intentional. I just think that there's an inability to do it or they're, they're not quite sure how to make that happen. You do it so well and you understand that the, the, the important thing to accomplish the night of the event is giving people a good time, engaging them because that will bring the money. Mm-hmm. What are your ticket costs for that event? Do you mind me asking what it costs for a live event? Let's let's live skip, let's pretend that it's live. Always been yep. yeah. What is the cost? So they're one hundred and fifty a person. Um, but our event is mostly sponsorship attended. Yeah. And so I think that probably I don't know the exact breakdown, but I would say like ninety percent of our our tickets are actually purchased through sponsorships, and some of those sponsorships could be individuals who are sponsoring um, the event, but most of them are corporate. So we have 150 per person. And then we also have a YP price, a young professional price of $75 a person Wow! in a normal live event. So pretty reasonable um, and pretty standard across the board in terms of events here in Des Moines that are similar to ours. That is a very reasonable entry fee to Mm -hmm. an event and that includes dinner yep yeah it does yeah and a really fun game and a really fun game (laughs) and how many how many people do you normally see or uh, in 2019 was it in 2019 we had 700 people attend that year that was the most we've had um but even in years prior to that we probably have had five to six hundred so we had we're estimating around 300 or so um, when we looked at number of views and right. people we knew were having watch parties and all right. those things. Right. Um, we estimate that we had around 300. You uh, think it was that low? I thought at one point there were several hundred or that were showing. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me think about this again. 
actually, no, now that you say that, I do think that it was probably closer to 400 or so for our, our virtual event, which we had actually initially only estimated that we'd have around 200 yeah. to 300. Right. Um, and 300 was kind of like a stretch in our opinion, because we just right. didn't know. And, you know, especially as things started opening up more and here in Iowa, you know, things have been open for quite a while. So we just weren't sure how keen people would be on sitting down and watching a virtual event right. on a Thursday evening, but we were pleasantly surprised. And I think because people, we ended up having quite a few people that had watch parties. So we had one watch party of 50 people and then others of 10 to 20. So mm. I think that that was really beneficial and we encouraged that of our mm -hmm. participants. You know, we still didn't feel like we should gather in large groups being a healthcare organization, mm. you know, large groups of 300 plus, but we did encourage people to, do as much as they could in terms of gathering together so we did have quite a few that did um their own thing which i think was beneficial for i think they enjoyed it and then it was also beneficial for us as well because they could come together and there was some of that kind of peer pressure as well and um i mean part of watching a game show is yelling out the answers with yeah. who else is in the room so right, having right. more people to do that with i think is always always fun right. as well well, not only that, but also there was a whole other element that didn't include the game show. There was the food that they picked up at the um, Iowa Event Center, where we usually have the event. So they were able to drive through and get their their mm -hmm. box and their um, their uh, how did Steve say it? A, a caricature Char bird, charcuterie, or something like yeah, that. Right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so, so they were able to get that, and um, there was a lot of and a bottle of wine. They got a bottle of wine. Yeah. So there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that um, that Megan also managed for all of their attendees um, that made it that made it a a great event. Mm. So, so yeah. is it normally on a Thursday night? When, it, when it's live? Yeah, we do always have it on Thursday. And um, kind of one of our jokes is that we'll always have you out of there by nine o'clock. And we always do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what time. Even when we start late. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's again. Always find a way. And I, it's something that people appreciate. I've had uh -huh. many people come up to me after the event and saying, I love how you guys have such a fun event, but you, you know, you have us out of here by nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. So I think that it, it really some events can just go on and on and you just don't know what to expect and how long you're going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so by really letting people know, like, I am very much this way. I want to know how long something is. <laughs> and like, that's just the planner in me. So, yeah. you know, when people have that expectation and know what to expect, um, I think it helps them enjoy it a little bit more as well. Cause they're not like, Oh my gosh, how much longer do we have? Are we almost done yet? So. Yeah. I'm in a thousand percent agreement. I'm just curious, just because I'm curious, why Thursday night? Why not a why not a weekend night? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. We've always just done it on Thursday, and I feel like in Des Moines, we are pretty saturated with events, oddly mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and so having it on a Thursday just works in our community. A lot of our events are on Thursdays, and very well attended on Thursdays. Um. Some of the more, I mean, like the fancy, our Bravo Gala and things like that ends up being on Fridays or Saturdays. But 
are, we find that people really do enjoy. And I think having it on Thursday night in the summer still works really well for our community. Mm. Do you feel like you own Thursday night in the community? Does anybody else try to do Thursday nights? Others do Thursday nights. I think, um, I think we, we don't feel like it's just something our team does. So it, and I think that's what, because people know that we have other events in the community, it's not weird to be on a Thursday Uh or whatnot. Like there's some that are on Monday and I kind of, Oh, really? Why do you have an event on a Monday night? Yeah, that seems a little awful. (laughs) But, but I, but actually I think it's genius quite honestly on Thursday night, not that what I think matters, but it is because you are, you're not dealing with all of the competition and, yeah. and it's, Des Moines sounds like a lot like San Diego every Saturday night, there are at least two or three gala balls, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and also I, I think that the virtual went really well because it was a Thursday night and we weren't asking people to give up their Saturday evening to watch something virtually. Yeah, I agree. And I think other organizations who normally have a Saturday event actually did move their event to a weeknight. Um, I can think of one in particular mm-hmm. that normally is a Saturday night event. That's, you know, just very, I mean, it's very well attended as well. And they moved it to a Thursday, I think, because they realized, well, we really asked people to use a Saturday for us. And I think mm-hmm. especially in the summer, too, I would always advise if people have the opportunity to have your event on the good Thursday because you compete with so much on a weekend in the summer, especially in Des Moines yeah. when summer is like what we look forward to right, you know, in the want. Midwest because so short. Have, yeah, you know, there's a lot more going on between different festivals that come to the area or I mean weddings are so common in the summer that you're not competing with other weekend activities right. that people might have. Um, and people can still have their weekends and enjoy time with their families and have an event on a Thursday where they're still home on a school night, if you will, at a decent hour. Yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, and I can see that happening in our own uh, city more and more as mm-hmm. time progresses, because there's just too much competition. Mm-hmm. And you, you whittled it down to two hours. And yeah. so what, what brought you to that uh, conclusion that it needed to be shorter and more succinct? How did you derive at that? You know, I think that we talked about Zoom fatigue at one point, and I think because people are so just tired of sitting and staring at a screen, you don't have a captive audience like you do virtually like you do in person. So we knew that it needed to be, our event normally is from like six to nine. Um, and we were going to switch it from 5.30 to 9 so we could have a little bit more of a social time in an in-person. And this year, we were like, okay, we need to cut it down a lot so that our show itself, the live portion of it, is an hour to an hour and a half total. So 30 minutes of that pre-show where people are kind of logging in, getting a lay of the land, and then making sure that we're no longer than an hour and 30 um, in terms of actual event time. because attention spans are just so small when you're sitting on a on a computer screen so that was really what kind of drove us to do our best to and we knew that we could do it because again we mentioned that our event could start 30 minutes late in terms of the game show starting 30 minutes late because no one wants to sit in their seat because they're just talking and enjoying Mm. each other's company right but we still are done by nine so we knew we could kind of 
get things kind of buttoned up and laced up to um, really make sure that we had a shorter event uh, screen time. Again, We're brilliant. Even wanting more too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, right. That's a great point. Exactly. But we have to say something about the contestants here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. So uh, this really, Anthony, this, <laughs> this show is for me as an event producer, um, I get everything ready. I start the show. And when the game show um, starts, it's like you started a train and you just have to get out of the right. way. That's because right. Hands up. You never know what's going to happen with 20, to God. <laughs> 20 celebrities, local celebrities or um, high profile people on stage. You never know where it's going to go. And we've been shocked. We've been awed. We've been bowled over (laughs) (laughs) by a lot of what happens. And the contestants just make it a blast. Um, The last several years they've been, well, the last several years, many years, they've been dressing up as teams. So Mm -hmm. um, we've had them walk in in kilts with a bagpipe. (laughs) Um, We've had the bulldog from Drake University there. Um, <laughs> this year we had Ninja Turtles. Yes, we did. So, yeah. I, I mean, they're just, they're imaginative, they're engaged, they have fun and mm-hmm. they raise funds. And that's yeah. the best, that's the best kind of event you can have. It I is the- and that's so inspiring that you're inspiring the contestants to go that extra mile. So what you're giving them is so important they're having so much fun to do something Mm -hmm. that is good for the community and they're taking that inspiration and paying it for it and it's coming back tenfold for you guys it's all a testament to your event and what you what you've raised because in the community uh, because they wouldn't be so anxious to come back and they wouldn't be so willing to go out in the community themselves and be your ambassadors, which is basically what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're not having, and I know it, listen, we all know that it's not easy for Megan to get these teams together. <laughs> We're all talking pie in the sky when at the end of right. the day, you still have to convince people, right? Cause they have yeah. other things, but the fact that there's this history that you can rely on, helps you know and this and you made a change this year one of the things i wanted to address was the change in the game Mm -hmm. because you had been using a game for a while and you made a change and we talked a lot about what that game needed to be in order to keep people engaged Mm -hmm. right and so um did we made the right decision i think i agree absolutely yeah we went with games that were team oriented Yep. going with what you've been doing and not one that pitted, say, a contestant against a contestant with other people mm-hmm. on stage, like like a Hollywood Squares mm-hmm. kind of scenario, which we yeah. looked at. Um, but I'm so glad that we were able to come to terms there and we discussed and hashed all that out because it would have had a very different outcome uh, if we had tried to do anything else or limit the teams in some way. It just would mm-hmm. not have worked. Yeah. It, we needed to make sure that we were following what your needs were in this case and not really screwing the pooch, if you will, <laughs> by introducing a new game, you know, unraveling all the work that you had already done. Um, so what was the feedback about the game from the contestants and the audience? The contestants loved it. They 
after their initial call, they had a call with D'Angelo to kind of introduce them to the game. And everyone that I talked to after that said to me, this is going to be so fun. This game is so fun. I'm so excited. And after the event, same thing. They were so, because we had different questions for all of the different times that they rehearsed with us. So they never really knew. It was always something different. They never knew the answer going into it. So they could really play like they were a contestant in a game show. And they really loved it. They really had a lot of fun. Um, It really lent itself to, it's very similar to Family Feud. And Family Feud was how we started, you know, I think it's such an easy game and everybody kind of understands the concept of a family feud like game. And it was very much like that. And so I think it was easy for our guests to understand. We've played um, in the past years. We, so we played the family feud for a number of years and then we're like, well, we kind of need it. We need something new. We need something to make the event um, different. So we went to a couple games that, weren't based off of anything in particular but they still lend lended themselves to being team-based but the and they were fun but it's not something that you recognize so the audience is still kind of trying to figure it out throughout the night um but this one I think was super easy to understand it was really fun and I even told the contestants I was like instead of saying pass like say something funny so some of them would like one person said for the question of like what's something hard to do without moving your lips and she's the director of girl scouts and she said crushing thin mints so like (laughs) it was obviously not an answer but she didn't know and she thought it would be funny so you know things like that that really lend themselves to humor and really engage the audience where the audience is also yelling out answers Mm -hmm. to their computer in this regard but you know one of my coworkers, she says all the time my husband loves to come because he likes to say all the answers to the to the games or the questions being asked in the game because he just finds that competitiveness with the rest of his table mates like so much fun so we were so lucky to work with you guys to find this game um, that really lended itself so perfectly to our the way our contestants are set up but also just our event in general yeah thank you for that i think we realized we were onto something when we provided the answers and then played the game and couldn't get the answers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, I really made up questions and answers and I'm like, I Oh, it's that time no it's that time frame. You've got to right. get it yeah. in a certain amount of time. Was, so you right. yes. yeah. And that was the other thing that we nice. felt as a team was important to the engagement and to the excitement was it needed to be a game that was timed uh, mm-hmm. because that does, you know, make everybody frantic. And that does make everybody think faster and it alleviates the, the uh, habit of, you know, taking your time and and some people just do, you know, organically. Yeah. So it brings everybody to a new level, which, um, which is fun. And there were some crazy answers. Yeah. (laughs) Some crazy. That's true. (laughs) So, um, there was something else about the game. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You made a point of saying this, so let's just talk about it. We made a point of taking the time to ensure that questions wouldn't be repeated. And uh, Megan did a really good job. It wasn't, she didn't leave it to us to to offer the questions. First of all, we had questions about Des Moines uh, mm-hmm. that we thought would help to um, engage them. But we also um, didn't just do questions 
Megan really directed that and decided what questions would work best for the rehearsal, what questions would work best to sort of warm them up in the game, and then what questions could be a little bit more hard hitting. So she took some time with her team to go through the 20 or 22 questions, something around there that we had to develop just for the gameplay and the rehearsals before that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that process and why you felt it was important? Sure. So what we've done for, I don't even know how many years now, Tracy, but we've always sent out a survey and surveyed our constituents to answer the questions so that they can kind of see some questions that might be in the event later on. So they could say, oh, I answered this question. And I said, you know, the question was, what's your favorite state fair food served on a stick? which was one of them, they could say, I answered this as corn dog, so I know corn dog is one of them. So we always like to try and engage our community in our event in some way, shape, or form. And so having questions that they can answer was one way in which we did it. But then additionally, we wanted it to be things that they're familiar with. So we wanted to have other Des Moines-based questions of, you know, what are some of Des Moines' top summer events or, um, you know, the top attractions in Des Moines. But then additionally, those can be somewhat repetitive and um, can also be hard because there's so many opinions on, for example, the best restaurant in Des Moines. There's so many. And so some of the choices that came up, I was like, I would, I've never even been to that restaurant before. <laughs> so we wanted to also have some that were fun in um, like, you know, what are toppings you would put on a burger. So can be easily thought of, but also with that, like we were talking, the time crunch, the anxiety can get you <laughs> thinking like, what is pea? Is it pineapple? Like, I don't know. So um, we really wanted, we were really thoughtful in the fact of, are these answers that people are going to get? Because we don't, it's not fun if nobody can answer any of the questions. Right. So really putting thought around, you know, are these common knowledge? You know, that's, we, people have always talked about, how, why don't you guys do Jeopardy? Well, it's not super fast paced and the questions are kind of boring. So we want those fun questions and questions that can also, to my point earlier about the Girl Scout crushing Thin Mints, can have funny answers that the audience is going to laugh at, knowing that they're wrong, but will have some levity and fun added to the event. Yeah. They have to be accessible. Everybody needs yes. to know what they are. It's funny exactly. that you said that because the one the one letter in this game, people get a letter and a line and they have to determine what the, the answer is. Toppings on a hamburger. The one that they would get last every time was C for cheese. Yeah. It was like nobody <laughs> yeah. could get the C for cheese. Hello. <laughs> Hello right? It was a burger without cheese. Right. Everything else, pickles, avocado, whatever, right. egg, not the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> very funny. Very funny. So um, what is next for House of Mercy now that uh, this is over? You met your goal, mm -hmm. right? Tremendous that you met your goal. Uh, really you. unbelievable. Is your goal going up next year? Yeah, you know, our goal actually came down for it being in a virtual oh, setting. Okay. So in a, in 2019, we actually raised a little over 500000 So Great. we will work our way back up to that goal, I think, in future years. So we haven't talked about a goal yet. And we're starting to work with, um, you know, our team to figure out kind of who we want to 
look to to be a presenting sponsor for future years. And so that'll kind of all determine kind of what those goals are set to be. But we're excited to be back into an in-person and kind of have uh, just that feeling of an in-person fundraiser really, it does increase people's want to give to your organization mm -hmm. as well. Just being around other people, seeing the excitement and the energy of the room makes you want to be a part of it and give to that organization as well. So we're really excited for that time next year to have that and um, kind of get back to that closer have to you, that 500,000. Have you picked a date? <laughs> we have, we just did. So June 16th of 2022. So we're excited for that. Great. It's back where we always are yeah. and plenty of space for lots of people. <laughs> and are you, you don't seem at all confounded by the $500,000 budget being raised. You've done it before, but mm -hmm. just a, a general question to both of you, actually, you as the outside planner that comes in, Tracy, and you as the, you know, the internal, um, how do you deal with budgets? Are you, are you um, excited by the fact that you have to raise more money? Does that get you inspired or does it, does it scare you? so funny you say that my team is always like pushing the budget higher and higher and I'm always just like guys let's be real and they're always right it seems <laughs> like it's never I just am such a like I'm a conservative realist I wanna, yes a conservative you know and so I get all this anxiety but then as things like start I was nervous about 300,000 and they wanted 350 at one point. And I was like, can we just meet somewhere in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> so we did. And I mean, I think this was way before we even knew what to expect and um, all of that. But, you know, I, I do get nervous because I just want everything to be a super success. And so uh, I get nervous about, about those budgets, but I'm just going to have to put it in my back, put it on the back burner and just work to continue to get that goal met. I think next year is going to be a great year because I think everybody's going to want to come to the live event again. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll have more people there and raise more money just, just not for that alone. But this is also one of the best events in Des Moines. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's one of the most fun events in Des Moines as a fundraiser. So, yeah. I think you're going to, I think we'll blow it out of the water next year. And it's pretty clear that based on your numbers, you're making your money on the engagement and the fact that you're getting these teams out there and you're, and, and the entertainment, because it seems to me that with $150 a ticket, $75 a ticket, you're basically covering your event costs with that money. Yeah. So to come in with a, you know, in a virtual year, $300,000, and I know you spent more this year on production, that's amazing. And next year, yeah, I can see many more people coming and you have only up to go. I mean, even if you needed to raise your price a little bit, you could do mm -hmm. that because you're not charging that much for people to come in. You've developed this, this game that, does the work. I mean, not that you should do the work beforehand, yeah. but it's a smart investment is my point. Yeah. I mean, we really investment. are able to utilize the advocates in our, as our contestants. And, you know, they really do a lot of the like work of getting people who, I mean, I should look at, I haven't looked at this yet, but the number of people who didn't actually attend the event, who actually, who still gave, mm -hmm. now they're able to reach a broader 
network than we have at House of Mercy. So we're able to utilize them to get our mission out there and they really advocate on our behalf for people to donate to the event. And a lot of times, even if you're there on behalf of XYZ Company's sponsorship, you see that John Smith is on team Alex and you think, oh, I love John Smith. He's one of my good friends. I'm going to give $200 to John Smith. No problem. So there's really, by getting people in the community who are well-known and well-liked, it really allows people. And then you have some people who are like, oh, but I know three people in three different teams and they give to all three of them. So we're really getting those types of people who have um, a network of their own and are willing to allow us to utilize that network Mm -hmm. through them really helps our event. I mean, the game show itself on any given year can raise between thirty to $60,000, or actually, I think it was almost 71 year, but uh, I, I mean, that's that's huge for you know it's not one of those paddle raises it's mm-hmm. a lot of smaller incremental donations mm-hmm. so it really says a lot to the people we get on those contestants as contestants um for what they're helping us do and we're really i mean we're so grateful to them and they're really behind a lot of how we can hit our goals and even as sponsorships if we don't know someone and they know a sponsor that sponsorship can count towards their team. So it really gets their creative juices and their competitive juices um, running to try and make sure that their team is going to be the winner. And when I left the event before the final tally, the leading team was a bit over $30,000. Was that where they ended? Or do you, do you remember what the leading team ended with? So they ended with like 32 or 34. And I don't know if you left in. So team Lisa was in the lead from right, the whole one. Right. But then Alex really, they came from way behind. I mean, from the very beginning, they had the least amount when we announced all the teams, they had the least amount of money raised and they really climbed their way up to the top. They did such a great job. And really? They're just, yeah, we, need to bring all of team Alex back next year and put them on different teams. So that they, can really <laughs> going. they just, I mean, all the, the contestants were great, but Alex really, um, they had the highest number of donations, number of donors come in as well. So they just, we were super grateful for them. There were a bunch that of, is great. You know, that's one of the brilliancies of this game is that she uses those 20 advocates to go out yeah. into the community. So she doesn't have to, so Megan doesn't have to ask over and over again. And she's using the power of friendship mm-hmm. to, to really gain the support, which is brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it Pure makes all of, all of those small incremental donations mean so much more yeah. because your effort is not behind every single one of them, you're pushing them out, you know, and they're coming in. If you had to put your time behind every single one of them, you know, you'd never get as much. No way. Right. So, so smart. I'm curious to know how you follow up with those donors. Do they instantly become added to the database? And so now you have contact with them right now. They're on your list. Exactly. So they are receiving our newsletter every month and because they get rolled into the foundation, um, database. So like I said, we're part of a organization that raises funds for a number of different entities, the hospital, House of Mercy, a college. So 
it all kind of rolls into the foundation. So then they will also be invited to join the Gaelic in future years and to follow up letters for um, continued contributions throughout the years, everything like that. So they Great. just kind of fold into the rest of our donor base. Do you have an idea of how many new donors? We're working on that. I don't know how many new donors this year. I think we had um, total donors, like 280 some. Or no, maybe that's not right. Um, we had 230 some, um, which is pretty good when we consider that about 400. We think about 400 people attended. Because right. some of those donors weren't even attendees. Um, and some of those donors are counted as sponsors as well. So, right. I mean, I think we're really pleased with the way our contestants are able to peer fundraise on our behalf um, and connect with I mean there's donations from all across the nation thanks to that and good for you that you're you're uh getting them into your database and making sure that you don't lose touch with them after that Mm -hmm. that is a key component to this because you know you have these 20 ambassadors but you don't want to lose touch with the people so it's great that you're doing that follow-up, very smart. And you share this database, it sounds like, with the foundation. It sounds like it's a huge database that that you might share and use. with. Yeah, so we, I mean, share in terms of it's just our local market. So it's all under the Mercy One Des Moines umbrella. So right. all of these entities fall under that. So um, whether it's the college or the... Uh, House of Mercy, our hospice, the medical center itself, all of the donors fall into our database. We are kind of the giving channel for all of those those areas. So you you maintain the database, would you? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. No, it's smart. It's just all, again, it's just people working together smartly Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're getting access to those names, which isn't something you, it, it, it sounds like common sense, but it, it takes effort Mm -hmm. no it doesn't it doesn't always end up that way and it's amazing how many um donors are lost just because of the bookkeeping the follow-up you know uh and to do all that work you know how much work goes into getting them so to do all that work and not keeping them is is just it's that's awkwards yeah Yeah. (laughs) what that you guys are doing is you're you're giving everyone an opportunity to donate. And when I say that, what I mean is it's not always these big ticket items that not everybody can. You're yeah. giving your donors an opportunity at every level to give, to feel good, to give back to their community, but you're also making them feel important and appreciated by doing all the follow-up. And that's going to bring them back. That's going to make them want to do. As a mom, That that's what keep would keep me coming back, mm-hmm. is knowing that. So what do you do with your uh, your uh, 20 ambassadors? How do you thank them after an event like this? So we, in the normal in-person year, we always have a little gift bag for them at the event. So we've mailed that out to them this year. And then we also invite our contestants, our sponsors of 500,000, or I'm sorry, of 5,000 or higher, and our board members to a thank you breakfast after the event. That'll be later this month just to it's at House of Mercy, thank them for everything they've done for us and helped us get to this goal and all of that. So um, it's just a way of us to touch base with them and really show our appreciation as much as possible. Do-do-do-ba-ba-ya. Do-do-do-ba-ba-ba-ya. 
how do you now moving forward, um, how do you stay engaged yourself being in an organization and doing the same events year after year? What keeps you motivated and engaged as the planner? I think, again, I, I'm the type of person that always just wants to do something for a reason. And so I constantly am hearing more stories about House of Mercy and hearing of the great work that they're doing. It's literally like the best kept secret in Des Moines and people from the entire whole state um, can come. I mean, they come to our organization because unlike other um, substance abuse programs, it's not a 60, 90 day program. It's however long you need to be there for you to live your life in recovery for the long term and get your children back and all of those things, you can be there. I mean, the average length of stay at House of Mercy, I think, is seven months. So just the story and of the clients that we serve there is really what makes us at the foundation want to make it bigger and better each and every year. We just love knowing that and with it being the best kept supergrid in Des Moines, not only are we raising money for it, but we're also getting the word out about House of Mercy. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you would normally advertise right. in a regular market. So being able to have this event and have the you know awareness building that it, it creates as well, and in addition to the fundraising, it's really what helps us each year just look back at how can we improve on what we've done this year and what can we do to make it better and how can we change it to make it more engaging? Um, you know, all of those things, it's really the cause behind it that drives each and every one of us. And I know Tracy is, uh, supports that a thousand percent. What are some of the reasons why she remains on the team with you? And what are just a couple of things that you really rely on her for? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I... Tracy is the best person to walk walk alongside this. She knows it just as well, if not better than I do. And we're able to work so well together that we can bounce ideas back and forth. And she always is going to do what's in the best interest of the organization. She's not going to, she's not in it for the money for herself or whoever she's partnering with. She wants it to be the best possible event for our organization. And can we do this? And will this shed a more light on have some mercy will this kind of help you get some more awareness out there she's really great at giving us those ideas and those thoughts and when it comes to in a moment where i'm like um i don't know tracy like you just tell me what the answer is I don't really know. It's something i think care about and she's like okay this is how we're gonna do it and it's always perfect so i just Thank always you. know that working with tracy is going to be easy in terms of know our relationship but also easy in terms of getting to the end result that we want because we she doesn't work for our organization but we have the same end goal we want to do the best for that organization well your your motto of no stress events clearly is something that you live by that you don't you don't just say it you you don't walk the you don't just talk the talk you walk the walk because when I was stalking you a little bit as I try to do with our guests just to learn a little bit more it it was amazing how everybody spoke that highly oh thank you guys that highly of you and I love your vision of making events no stress 
I'm over here blushing <laughs> or tearing up. Yeah. Well, but it, thank you. But it is it is true, and I it think is. one of the things that really separates you from others is that you are vested in the goals of your clients and and their objectives, and that's what makes you so head and shoulders above people who are just into logistics and how things need to happen you understand that things have a purpose and there's a goal and you know you are and i've heard you talk about your clients and i've heard you talk about house of mercy outside of conversations with megan yep. and i know that you bring such passion and care to your work and you elevate you it's an elevated sense of work because you are focused on what's important for the client and you're so easy to be with and work oh, with. Yeah. I don't think I've ever Thank heard you, you yell once ever. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do in my car. Oh, there you go no. to yourself. Right? No. That's what yeah. I have to do. I mean, she's always just so calm, cool, and collected. I think you've heard always. me yell once, Megan. Oh, yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. At that one. Cut this music. It's not. <laughs> Stop. I'm pretty sure you had like a broken foot at the time, too. So she's hobbling hobble it along. <laughs> When it rains, it pours. They hit him with my crutch. You fall on some black ice, did you? No. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, the first time Anthony came to Des Moines, he was here, what, you were here maybe two hours and you slipped and uh, fell on the ice. Yep. Why we had a meeting in Des Moines in February was beyond me, but. It was great. It was great. I had no idea Italians lived in Des Moines until I came to oh, Des Moines, yeah. right? Awesome. Oh, it was yeah. a great time. Wait, do you I, have pictures? I'm sorry. Video, do you have pictures or video proof of him offending? I don't. No, she wasn't oh. with me. I wasn't with him. He wasn't oh, with me. Yeah. I totally missed it. Yes. <laughs> I'm always remember little blackmail pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, well, so we had all these people come into Des Moines for a meeting, and none of them brought gloves or hats. So that was their uh, <laughs> door. They got stocking yeah. caps and gloves. <laughs> Thank God for those underground tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> and it is cold in February. I swear that's the worst month. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so before we let you go, we have a little game we like to play, and it's called This or That. We have 10 questions. We'll do five for each of you. And basically, we'll give you a this or a that, and you tell us which one you would prefer. Okay? okay. So we're going to start with Tracy. <laughs> Riverboat or cruise ship? <laughs> this is perfect for her. Isn't it? Cruise ship. Cruise ship, I figured. <laughs> All right, Megan. Housewives of Beverly Hills or Housewives of New York? Oh, I mean, if you asked me a long time ago, maybe New York, but right now, Beverly Hills for sure. Because of what's happening? Oh, with, well, uh, and they're just so much more upscale. I think they actually have money, and I don't know that New York really has the same same level of money at this point. Oh, interesting. Even so you see that, some really, like, fancy things. You should watch that interview with uh, that thing about Erica James and her husband. D'Angelo was telling me about yeah. it because I hadn't watched it. Oh, you should watch, watch that. It. But, yeah, that's also why it's interesting. Okay. Very. Okay, number three, Tracy. Fried Twinkie or corn dog? Corn. Oh, <laughs> come uh, on now. Oh, I think I'm going to have to go with corn dog. Ooh, that's okay. a wrong choice, Trace. <laughs> I think so. Totally. <laughs> All right, Megan, Adventureland or the Iowa State Fair? Oh, Iowa State Fair, hands down. 
don't want to come so bad. Oh, you have to come. You still have time, Anthony. Is There's it so is it July or August? It's August. Okay, I might still come. Maybe yeah, on a flyover. Yeah. It's All right. Never event. T. Entertainment or decor? Uh, oof. Uh, decor. <gasps> My heart. Uh, <laughs> Megan. Sorry. <laughs> Live and in person or virtual? Live and in person. Absolutely. 100%. T. Canasta or shuffleboard? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Anthony, stop. You're making her seem so old. That's okay. You two are even now. <laughs> yeah. I guess shuffleboard because I don't know how to play tenacity. <laughs> oh, there's a long story there. Uh, yeah. uh, okay, Megan, changing diapers or midnight feedings? Oh, gosh. Thankfully, my daughter is not big on midnight feedings. So changing diapers. There you go. <laughs> All right, T, raising babies or raising husbands? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Well, since I'm raising a husband right now, <laughs> I guess that's my favorite. <laughs> it's nice that you said it was your favorite. <laughs> okay, Meg. He's listening. <laughs> Okay, Megan, last question. Raising babies or raising husbands? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm with Tracy. Oh, I feel like my husband does pretty well. It's good that we raised the baby together. So okay. Okay, good. Oh, that's good, sweet. Good, good, good. I just want to thank you so much for joining well, us uh, on this episode of Belotify. Thank you for going through the case study and airing our dirty laundry uh, on air, which was not dirty at all. I'm, I'm glad no. to know. I'm glad to hear <laughs> that awesome we, to we did oh twice, twice as much to work with yeah. you. And we well, thank you, Tracy, yeah. for bringing us together. And we hope it's not the end. No, no I have good partners, Megan. Right. I have wonderful yeah. partners in these guys. Oh, yeah, you have to let so me know fun. when that fair starts. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be in touch. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'll await that, that uh, invitation. Yep. <laughs> this is Alex for a change. And I just want to thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to another episode of Belotify. Please go and find us wherever you find your podcast. And if you happen to be on Apple, go ahead and give us five stars. Anthony always says I deserve it, but really, give it to him. He needs the five stars. He could use it. He deserves it. He's a good guy. I like him. So saying goodbye for Anthony and myself. Bye-bye.